Welcome, welcome, welcome to Adventures into Reality. I am here and I am live. Um, I have been off the air the last couple weeks and Kathy has uh, been trying to be here when she can. We have a little bit of an announcement, somebody very close to the GH team, someone very, very close to my heart for a long time friend. Natalie has passed on from a very, very short bout with cancer, a little less than eight weeks uh, from diagnosis to passing. And I want to let everyone know that the show will go on. But right now, um, we are going to make a presentation that says, you know, we honor those who have passed on to the Blue Road of Spirit. Today is going to be an open call-in reading show for anyone that would like to talk about passing of a friend, the visitations of loved ones. Um, we are at a time of human separation of densities where the greatness of our soul lies here in the now. And in the greatness of our soul, we speak out to all those who are listening now who have lost a loved one, a mother, a father, a daughter, a lover, someone that you have met as a soul family member, someone that you know we're deeply connected to. So we ask that whoever wants to come and have a session today and come and talk, that you come from the great heart of now. Many years I have been doing radio now reading people, doing shows on galactic history, bringing out some of the most incredible subject matters. The next year to come is going to be the year of the self-disciplined masters, the self-illuminated masters who want to stand up in these moments of now, truly be the co-creative personalities that are ready to bring self-illumination and self-light to the next level. The very nature of this radio show is going to change and that the nature of change is about accepting the new density, the new frequency, the new understanding of how life truly is working now. What is causing the strife in our society now? We're on the verge of another election, another four years of nothing's going to happen. In early 2012, when I started doing radio, I started doing radio on Wolf Spirit Radio as well as Revolution Radio. And I led a, an actual 12 and a half, sorry, 13 and a half hour show on, on, on Wolf Spirit Radio that is titled, Nothing is Going to Happen Tomorrow. And then in 2013 and in 2014, there was another all-day webinar stating that nothing was going to happen tomorrow. And why do I keep saying nothing is going to happen tomorrow? Because nothing's going to happen until we make it happen. Something people have been hearing from me over and over and over and over again. We are the individuals of the now who choose to act in the now, to be the hyper frequency of creation, to be the super technology of communion and union. I can no longer be the silent auditor of others' fate, holding information that could drastically change and heal others if they should just become a match a signature frequency match for self-illumination. I choose to speak in the moments of now, to co-create with my ancient illuminated self. I set down this path of self-discovery was sourced millions of years ago. The illuminated masters of the past knew of our greatness to be. They set down roots as multidimensional, multifunctional, photonic beings of incarnating light, manifested now into our DNA. So the path to greatness would never be lost to the seekers of knowledge. Never be lost to the seekers of knowledge.
contemplate that. We're at the time where the seekers of knowledge are not just on radio stations. They're out there in the great world of everything. So for those of you that would like to call in, 347-688-2902, or you can contact Laura Lee Solomon on Skype. We are open for that for the next two hours. I'm going to, oh, there's our first caller, 907. Your name and where you're calling from? My name is Dawn, and I'm calling from Alaska. Hi, Dawn from Alaska. How'd you find out about the show? Um, actually, I've known about you for quite a while. I saw you do your um, galactic historian thing with, um, oh gosh, what's his name? The 17 um, shows that you have online? Yeah, that'd be Lance White. Okay. Yes, yes. That's how I first saw you. So, you kind of know how this works. What do you want to talk about today? Oh, gosh. Okay. I guess first I want to start with, um, you know, I've been having really challenging times with the Internet. And, um, like, my whole computer crashes. I feel like it's hacked. Can you see anything around that and how I might resolve that? Did you have technological issues adjusting to the 50s and, the, uh, sorry, the 70s and the 80s? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> when we first started, you know, I'm very much uh, just like to be immersed in nature. And so, like, when email first came out, I wasn't going to do email or anything. And even now, I refuse to text. I refuse to not, not allow something about it to, to hinder or block the, the greatness of the experience. Because once you engage your genius within it and remove all the obstacles of your unknown sides which is knowing what it is you need to know, the job's done easy. It's just like another hike for you. Okay, so it's really not uh, NSA hacking my computer. No. Okay. (laughs) All right, the next question I guess I have is about my book. I finished my book about four months ago, Mm -hmm. and um, I sent it to one publisher who reviewed it for quite a while, Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it doesn't quite fit our niche. And then I sent it off to five more publishers, and I'm still waiting on two. And I'm wondering if you can give me any information around that. So how did you find the publishers? Uh, well, two of them, I was given their names in meditation. I, you know, I'd never heard of them before, and then okay. I looked them up, and they were a pretty good match. Okay. So through meditation, you have no personal reference to them? No. mm that is what you need to work on is personal references. The, the book industry has changed so much in the last decade. Um, and this is from my own personal experience, you know, what, what goes on in the book industry. Nowadays, you can sell 4,000 copies and be on the, on the New York Times bestseller list. 4,000, not 400,000 like it used to be. Okay. So the amount of competition that you're going through is direct recommendation, meaning you need to make relationships with those, the ones that have already looked at it and, and have a determination if there's a process to go forward. Is it a different form of editorial process or you looking at the project through their eyes? Now, books have been butchered this way since the dawn of editors. Why do you, I mean, let me ask this question, why do you think you need to go to a publisher versus the age of self-publishing? Well, <laughs> um, it's a technical issue coming at you again. 
part of that, yeah. Well, and it's part of the, I just don't know, you know, I know I need to get a good editor and a good editor will know a lot of the questions I have, but it's a, it's really down to, I need somebody to market for me because marketing is not my skill. I don't accept myself. It doesn't work that way, darling. That's an illusion. No one markets for you. You have to put the input and then they put the technical process in place. Can you this see is, my book? Like, do you, do you know what it's about and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the one that's got to give them all the information that applies to their point A to point B to point C. They have a mechanical formula, and you have to fill in all the blanks for them. You, you see, you know the material. When you hire someone to do the marketing, are you expecting them to read every part of the material and understand it the same way you do? No. Only you can do that. So, like, real quick, when I go, real quick I, this is the era the monks come out of the mountains and the masters put up sign that says open for business. And this is what you're trying to do. A master saying I'm open for business. Masters at times need to call on third density masters such as people of marketing. For you it is the time of oversee, educate, earn, learn the terminology. Once you learn the terminology, you will apply your spirit to the new terminology. And in meditations, you will get great understandings and answers. You have to bring the third density experience of the master opening up the shop saying open for business to your meditation so that it can perceive everything in your, your one degree of separation and bring the people that will be the right marketers for you so that you can lay the entire process out so they can hear it in your terminologies and market it to something that is meant for millions of people. Well, I got to do all this myself, kind of. Well, then make connections. You learn the terminology so when you speak to someone that's in marketing, you speak the same language. And then okay. you can bring that language to your meditative process. And have a greater contemplation with it, with spirit. Okay, I guess I have just got my work cut out. Any other words of advice for me? Well, <laughs> I tried. So, let me help you here. I'm going through the very similar process. There, there's there's a, a book that, that could have gone to many publishers. But those publishers would want to butcher it in such a way that it wouldn't be the truth of its source. Okay. Would you accept that? Would you accept a book that was sent to a publisher that was, you know, missing 50% of your content? Yeah, I know. It's, How would that, you feel? That was a problem. Okay. That is what will happen more than likely if you go to a publisher that doesn't know you, literally, know you as the person that is you. And even if I go, I mean, I'm going with some of the smaller publishers who are more um, open-minded to this kind of, uh, you know, kind of thinking, um, even with those smaller guys that I've gone to, you think? You're still going to have to do radio shows to self-promote. You're still going to have to pay for your own book tours. You're still going to have to pay for the advertising in bookstores. Okay. There's a model of business there that you, you have to become aware of. At those middle levels, those middle level publishers, they do not do anything to promote your book. They don't pay for you to go city to city. They don't organize any of that stuff. 
That's a okay. tough truth. And I've gone through this tough truth over the last four years, having a variety of publishers come and ask me to do X, X, or X. And I, my bigger answer is no. I have a body of work that's, that's incredibly complete already. And when I decide, when I decide to, to do something, it will be from that process. It won't be with a big publisher. So self-publishing again, and do you, I mean, do I need to get, because I'm exposing some powerful people, do I need to get um, some legal protection as well? Well, now you're at a next layer of what ceremony are you going to do to protect yourself to become public? Okay? okay. And then what are you going to do to promote yourself once you're public? Because you don't light off one firework and then say 4th of July is over. You continue on the journey. The journey doesn't end just because you printed a book. The whole next journey is promoting the book, getting people to read it, formulating another version of it so that you can do in-person presentations with slides where people might want to pay you for it because they enjoyed the material or it teaches them something new. And I did do um, this past weekend, I did do a presentation and um, about more than like you filled the building. So mm -hmm. Uh, and it was really good. Like people understood me and they had great right. questions and they were really absorbing the material. So I felt like that was going in the right direction. But um, it's just a You start. are. You just got to see the journey different. The journey to create the book was one thing. The next journey is how do I market it? How do I sell it? I know it's an incredibly important topic and subject and it's got my heart, mind and soul in it. This is where you got to turn on the ceremony and prayer to clear the frequency of what it took to create. So the new frequency of what you create in the now promotes this book with the fullness of your spirit, the same spirit that said, I'm going to write this thing. Okay. <laughs> I guess I've got a lot of work to do. Take it in small steps. Little, little small steps. Small goals. You know, maybe put between now and the end of the year, you're going to try to do two more talks. You know, talks are really easy. You can go and, and use one of those call-in services, you know, gotomeeting.com and e email invite 20 or 30 people as a practice. Give yourself two more opportunities before the end of the year to do that. It might really help you see what marketing is or how to, you know, formulate what you would say when you, when you, have, a mar when you have somebody that's going to do the marketing for your website and all that other stuff. Okay, and I'm starting to do that now. Like I'm just, I'm learning WordPress. I mean, I'm I'm not completely technologically. Okay. Uh, so there's a, there's a name I would like you to look up, and the name is Brendan Bruchard. Now okay. he's an email marketing expert, guru, and self help field. Um, my my PA Tanach uh, went to an event of his last year, and he came back with some amazing knowledge on marketing. And then early this year, in, in May, I also went to an event, and I learned a tremendous amount of the marketing and terminologies. Now, it was a $2,000 course, but it was from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., Thursday to Sunday. And that's how much information they pack in there. And you can learn absolutely everything you need to learn about marketing from one of those classes. Or you can do the online version of that. I was going to say, that's my other hurdle here is I kind of um, spent, you know, I left my job to start my meditation business and uh, I have no money left, so I don't have money to do those kinds of things. And it's not um, something that 
um, so I kind of need, I need to find some assistance that doesn't cost money. So Brendan gives out a lot of free information. Go and use up all the free stuff. He probably has 15 hours or 18 hours of free videos out if you give him an email. Okay? Stuff that will help you grow and make bigger choices of, you know what? If I'm going to promote and market myself, well, I need to know some of the, just the basic terminologies that they're using. Okay. Well, that's good advice. I'll, I'll look him up then. And it's Brendan Bouchard? Brendan Bouchard, yeah. Bouchard. Okay. And um, one last question. This is just kind of a general question about polarity consciousness versus okay. unity consciousness. Shoot. What about, well, how do you want to phrase the question? Okay. Um I'm wondering, you know, because you hear a lot of people talk about the law of attraction and mm -hmm. when you're in um, polarity consciousness, I believe it works one way and when people are in unity consciousness, it works another way because you're creating for the whole instead of the self. Is this true? It is almost true. So okay. when you're in an individual, before you become part of a collective, there's a series of choice points that allows you to go from third density to fourth density. As okay. the third density being chooses to be more aware of their non-duality, non-hierarchical order, the collective becomes the next set of obvious choices in the journey of consciousness. But the I am still continues another journey. So just as we perceive our dreaming world as separate or in duality, as one goes into fourth density, there's a different form of non-duality where the living dream allows you to be many forms at once. And one of those forms is in unity, but is not in unity with everything else. It is the piece of the avatar that is in unity that makes the avatar grounded in a 700, 900, or 1,000-year life projection cycle from third to fourth to fifth density. So unity is a something we experience in the dream, and it'll inevitably manifest beyond the dream side as we as we live the as we walk the living dream, as we dance the dream, you know, me dreaming you, you dreaming me, somebody else dreaming this whole thing up until we finally understand the piece of unity is how we returned to source when we lost source as a perception when our sovereignty was challenged. We chose that process. All right, that is our music, and when we come back from the break, I'll, I'll do a little bit more on collective and unity consciousness. And welcome back, everyone. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I am. So, so we were talking about the collective and unity consciousness, and I was describing the process between third and fourth density, and as we begin to accept more of fourth density, more of the dream world comes through, and there's a part of us that's in unity, because the planet we are on is also sharing an individual bubble of unity with us. So it is a, a set of choice points that allow the greater avatar to evolve, and the I am to evolve with the avatar. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm sure I'll listen to the material again and get more out of it, but uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Do you have any other questions on the collective or unity you wanted to ask? I, I think that's about it. I so appreciate you being here, Andrew, and uh, thank you and Kathy both. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. We'll move on to the next caller. Okay, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so next caller, 702, your name and where you're calling from? Hi, 
My name's Amanda, and I'm calling from Las Vegas. Hello, Amanda from Las Vegas. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a, a challenging couple weeks. Uh, um, my friend Nat has passed on, as I said earlier, so it has been a time of mourning and accepting the, the, the loss and the grief that comes with that. But at the same time, the evolution of the spirit and the honoring of her as a, a person that has passed on as an ancestor, doing the ancestral offerings, doing all the teaching sacred stuff that I've talked about for many, many years. Yes, I heard that. I'm so sorry to hear that. I've I've watched some of the shows that you've done with her in the past, and uh, a big loss. I'm oh, so sorry to hear that. Yeah, she was a larger-than-life personality. I will say mm -hmm. that. And I'm so I'm so blessed to have met her and spent time with her in the almost four years that I know her, I've known her. We've probably spent ten years of lifetime. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we spoke a different language, literally, when we, <laughs> when we were when we were together and um, you know doing the creative stuff that we do and the ceremonial stuff because it was you know like soul brother soul sister. <laughs> yeah, having that kind of more uh, unique and and. A deep connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what kind of questions do you want to ask today? Well, I was. Um, you mentioned you kind of were interested in you know topics of loss, and I was curious. I uh, my father passed away earlier in the year, and I, I was you know kind of I've talked to other people about it, and he, our relationship was kind of different. I mean, I, I love him, but he was also kind of. Um, he was more of a harsh kind of person. I mean, he could be soft and warm, and but it wasn't his normal demeanor kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, long story short, I'm just curious, what were we? I mean, what was I? What were we doing together? You know, like was I supposed to? Was he working on something with me? I mean, did we? Okay. What is his name? You know what I mean? Yeah. What was his name and date of birth? Uh, Gary. And his date of birth is on November 26th. What year? Uh, 1960. All right. So you and him had a tremendous amount of unresolved spiritual contracts relating to Ireland, mm -hmm. um, Scotland, Lower England, the Dover Coast, the Normandy Coast. Um, from 700 BC to about 300 AD, you lived in lineages that were in that area that upkept a lot of the sacred monoliths and the energies of the area. And when the clans began to be conquered, many of the women at that area were forced to breed with other clans that they didn't agree with to try to save the teachings. And you and him got stuck in that process where one time he was the wife or the woman that had to force to have a child with somebody they weren't didn't what didn't want to just to continue the lineage on or vice versa or you were both the women and there's an endless cycle of being forced birth of others' children and he you 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 got out of the grid but he stayed into it a lot longer so his issues were birthing itself. It wasn't with the soul. 
because the soul was what they were going to ultimately exchange karma and learn from. His part was the forced birthing. So this lifetime, he was a forced birth. There was something in the signature frequency from the mother and father that wasn't a, a, a wasn't a, an advanced planned spiritual birth, meaning it was a very short notice that he was in the astral world and basically he got a date and it said, you either come in now or you have to wait, you know, 200 years before you can do it again. And wow. he jumped in and right away picked up all of those other signature frequencies where he was forced to go in without the, the advanced soul planning. So he had to wing it a lot of lifetimes, or literally wing it. But that was his overall bigger challenge as a soul. This is where you do know he had soft moments. This lifetime, the world beat him down. The world beat him down. And that's okay. The world beats everyone down every day. But it's how we pick ourselves back up during that process. What do you remember about him picking himself back up? Um, he definitely, you know, like, um, it's kind of funny you, you said about the forced birth. Cause we, we don't know who his father was. Like, I don't know who my real grandfather is. Um, so that whole side of the family is kind of a bit of a mystery, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but he, you know, like, he had a very um, abusive childhood and... Um, it was it was very rough for him, but you know, and kind of keeping that in perspective, I know he did so much better by us than he could have, you know, based on the the skills and things that he picked up when he was a kid, you know. So um, he definitely overcame a lot of that. And one of the things I know that he, one of the ways that he showed that he really cared was he was a wonderful provider. He just worked his butt off to make sure we had, you know. Because that's what he knew in Manifest. He could create more than the love he should be giving to you. Okay? Because love for him was a very distorted perception at a very young age. Until he had the children of his own and he truly had to learn what love is. And for him, love meant working. Working in such a way that you would have clothes on your back. You'd have all the opportunities that he never had. That was his service to you. Yeah, that was his service to you. Can you explain that a little bit better? Like showing how to overcome is that? Would you say that was kind of okay? So, as I said, he didn't get to plan this birth. Okay. So well, that means you, as a child, also had very limited time planning, okay. and and he knew at a soul layer that he had to provide a certain amount of love so you would eventually blossom at the time of the Great Awakening. And his service to your soul was that. What it took for him to overcome his trials and life tribulations. So he could provide for you. And each time he had to pick himself up was a greater lesson to you of what the ancestors before had to do so we can continue on the path to greatness. Okay. That, still, that makes sense. He was constantly reinventing himself. You know, he would he would do this job for a while, and then he kind of taught himself computers and did that for a while, and then he got into karaoke. I mean, it's, he was all over the place. So, yeah, a lot of change. A lot of change. So, are there any other questions you want to ask about that process? you ever have a visitation from him? 
You know, I feel like I, I haven't I haven't seen him, but I feel like I I feel like he's around sometimes, and I'll in my mind hear him say things to me. Uh huh. And that is him. Okay. See, this I is where, this is where you want. <laughs> This is where you want to take this to the next level. Engage a ceremony of communion with him. You make your room sacred. You pull out the pictures. And you say, I remember you. That's how we honor them. Okay. He is what we call a Blue Road ancestor now. Oh, what's that? The Blue Road of Spirit. They're here to be our teachers and our ancestral counselors in those internal dialogue moments when we have those greatness of choices ahead of us. Make that ceremony mean something to you. And you'll have your visitation in that moment. Okay. Okay. There's little things we can do to connect to those loved ones that have passed on. Beyond the pictures, we can go to another level where we can use guided imagery and meditation to bring their vision to our vision of meditation, to commune with them just at the visionary level without the need to create dialogue and allow there to just be an emotional transference of love. Is that something you think you can do? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's something everyone out there can do. Anyone that has lost a loved one, see him in your mind. Just no words. Just flow with love and emotions. And all of the emotions of, mi of grief and missing and all that, what will return to you is the connection of love. Allowing those grief energies to be fulfilled so they no longer occupy space within you. Or they open up new forms of creativity because you can feel their signature frequency again and know it in your heart of hearts that it's them. Spirit is all around us. All we have to do is pay attention to it in a sacred way, and it'll speak volumes back to us. Volumes. I was, um, I was thinking about something that you said when you were describing our journey, and um, you mentioned that we had lifetimes in Ireland before. Mm -hmm. And that's a place I've always been like, it feels like home to me, even though I've never been there. And, just, mm -hmm. and I was actually doing like a dream activity about a week ago, and I... That was my dream is, you know, go there. I just want to go there someday and just connect with the land. And That's because you built, you built monolithic structures there that altered the ley lines of the land, which determined where souls were going to be born on what lands, what ancestral groups they were going to be a part of, and how the overall earth energies would come out in that particular geographic area. Very integral into the foundational creation process. So, yeah, that place is home for you as well as Scotland, as well as London, as well as the Normandy coast. You are one of the 10,000 that put together 200,000 sacred geometry structures, tended them for thousands of lifetimes in a row, wow. protected them in time and space when reality hijackers were coming and trying to steal the sacred objects off the surface of our world. You spent thousands of years in the astral world traveling through time, preventing sacred objects from being hijacked or destroyed. So, yeah, that is your home. That is the stuff in your backyard you made. 
That's so cool. <laughs> so neat. Mm-hmm. So that would be a good place to visit to to reconnect to there. Yes, and it's about understanding the journey there, the journey of vision. You know, all that vision that has led you to this point where, hey, you know, maybe it's time that I start putting some focus on a point in the future and allow my spirit to dream with it, to have an opening ceremony of dreaming space that says, hey, self, I want to go there. I want to experience. I now set down this sacred framework so my spirit in dream time may travel there and bring me back all of the dream logs and the travel locations, the places my spirit must go and see. Make it a sacred journey. Yeah. We are the times where the monks come out of the mountains and the masters put up the signs that says open for business. And as the monks come out of the mountains, they're going to realize the world has changed and they want to travel from place to place to place. Where, where are you? Are you the monk out, coming out of the mountain or are you the master putting up the sign saying open for business? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm so, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I have to offer. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I'm still trying to figure out who I'm going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out what I have to offer the world, I guess. You have plenty to offer the world. It's a matter of choice. You have love. You have divine feminine that could emanate in such a way that people could feel it when you walk in the room. You have prayer. You have the ability to pray for this world. You have an unlimited set of choices as a divine feminine manifested in the now. Every time you ever have a menstrual cycle is a spiritual mystical experience waiting for you if you should just recall the energy of the last month, week, year, to once again return it to the sacred womb so you can dream in your own womb. That is something women have that is completely different than all men. When they go to a dream space in their heart, in their dreaming body, they also have a secondary dreaming space in their own womb where their own fullness of consciousness now can go into the womb and connect into what's known as the dream cave or the dream lodge. Men don't have that. That's why they seek the, the, menstru- the, the, the women to have that deep connection during that time. All women out there at any moment during their, their menstrual process can go into that womb cave entrance, bring their meditative source, light illuminated self, just as if they were pregnant having give themselves and connect to their infinite being in dreaming space. That's the power of the divine feminine now. That's what I see in every single woman on this planet now. And it's just a matter of choice to engage it in a sacred way so that when you come out of the process, there's something truly meaningful to the expansion of the self. Profound, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's amazing. Would you use it for, like, setting intentions and helping to like creation in the world kind of thing like anything a fetus would do in the womb when a woman returns her consciousness to the womb it can do the same thing 
It's a matter of learning the ropes and how to drive that particular car. Okay. Pretty amazing. Okay. There's more there. Once one is in the womb, any children that you've had, those have come from your womb. When you truly need to pray with your children, you can bring their image back into your womb with you in there at the same time, and you can bring your mother into her into the womb and then bring the three of you into your mother's womb so you could have full ancestral expressions you can go seven generations to the past and seven generations to the future and have your masterful mystical feminine connection there and you're not giving away power to anything you're understanding the process of the womb it sounds like a really deep and beautiful way to connect. Yeah. Those have been in indigenous teachings for tens of millions of years. Yet only a handful of people hear these words. Can you spread that knowledge and wisdom? Can you pick up the, the mantle of responsibility and say, hey, I wish to take this vision to the womankind around the world? Can anybody else out there do that? We're at the time of human choice. The dream world is within one thought of mystical manifestation now. Almost four years now I've been doing what it is that I do on air, simultaneously here in the dream world and 20,000 other worlds. I don't often talk about that other than in the descriptions of how I do things. But I'm simultaneously in 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 places. But it doesn't affect this, Andrew, in this mind. Because it's in unity. It's an equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order. I've made my progression from third, fourth, to fifth density. And I don't need to compete with any of those other versions of expressions. For each has their non-agenda and an agenda, which is a part of the greater spirit. To connect to all beings that are listen listening for a signature frequency teaching of the moment that connects to the highest forms of individuated truth that help the individual beings in the signature frequency of times to go through the greatest changes needed in their tailored moment of the self. I say profound things at times. I know this. <laughs> but there's a flow to what I do. And I, I wish upon the highest star and the greatest parts of our universe that millions more can step up and do what I do. I personally do not think it's hard. It just takes engaging the sacred discipline in such a way that you bring the sacred honor to yourself so you can raise your frequency to the highest and learn to build the spiritual muscles and to not take on the debt of others. Continue to heal and nurture yourself. That's all it takes to do what I do. When I learned the teachings of the womb, I found myself going into every womb I had ever been in and understanding that's, an, that's its own collective consciousness versions of Andrew or every other I am that was born and have all my future versions of myself. I made those part of my meditative moments, my meditative dialogues, a part of my walk in the woods. The first hour was the seven previous generations. The second hour was the seven future generations. 
where each footstep represented something different because I was a disciplined, self-illuminated master knowing if I put my focus on those frequencies, it would manifest in front of me, within me, internal, external, and eternal. One plus one equals two. When our focus is on a process, the process reveals our focus and the layer of focus that we put behind it. Thus, our knowingness is in continuous expansion and contraction. We live in such unique times. We are literally one thought away from somebody creating something the system cannot deal with in any way, shape, or form. And the system will crumble around it because it's an infinite thought creation everyone else can instantly understand in words. You've heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a hundred words are worth 10 million words. Mm-hmm. And we're at that time where someone will do it. They'll figure out that 100 words that has 10 million words behind it. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you do for a job? Um, I, I advise at the university here. Okay. You like the job? I do. I mean, it's. I mean, I could do it in my sleep, okay. um, but it's it's fulfilling. It's it's nice. Mm-hmm. What do you and think? What do you think the com- What do you think the community and the university is missing? Ooh. Um. Hmm. Um. Well, I mean, everything comes from a like a a logical, like hard logical standpoint. Maybe missing out some of the um, feeling side. The I don't know. I, how do I describe that? Um, personal human connection kind of thing. It's more uh, cut and dry. It's you know, it's the rules are set, and it's you know, it's just very. I don't. I don't know how to describe that. Okay. Would you say your life kind of reflects a lot of the stuff at the university now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. You've come to a university, and you were saying before you don't know what you have to offer to the, to offer to the world. I think you do. I just think you're not self-confident in it just yet. You have a way with words. You have a way with people. It's a matter of how does those two ways assist people in learning and understanding or creating at a different level? What are your passions? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I. I don't know. You know. I haven't found that thing that it. You know. You just kind of would do for free. You know. You just love, and you. You know what I mean. Um, Get you excited to, to do something. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't found that. In your whole life, you haven't found that. All right, that was our break. Hold on, darling, and when we come back, we'll go on. All right. And welcome back, everyone. Caller, are you still there? I'm here. So did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask based off of what we've talked about? Is there something I should be looking at or working on in the 
what you have, yeah, what you have to offer the world. Yeah, I know. I how do I discover this? <laughs> is, I mean, oh, should I meditation? Again, or? No, 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 no. I'm gonna go once again. What is your passion? I've always, I mean, I always liked working with kids. When I was a kid, I kind of wanted to be a teacher, and I always wanted to be a mom. I mean, I have, I have a son, but you know. I, I didn't have any big picture idea. I don't know. Um, then there's your You need to look yeah. at the picture. Do you, do, you, do you want another child? Is that something that's subtly inside you? You know, I, I did. My husband doesn't. Okay. And I've kind of, I mean, as my son's gotten older, I... <clears throat> Can you still know, have children? What's up? Can you still have children? I can, yeah. Well, then maybe you need to bring that subject back up with your husband. He, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want another child. Well, what does that present to the soul that's trying to figure out the bigger picture? Yeah. Okay. There's some hard questions that you can ask. Where you can take those those concepts I told you about the fetus in the womb, where you put your mind, your soul, your heart back into your own womb, and you give birth to yourself. Hmm. The new you, the new person that's going to step forth in her power of the now, connected to her sacred feminine, the ability to love all, to be infinite wisdom, infinite forgiveness, to be the woman of great peace peace inside her soul and can exude that energy connected to her sacred feminine who made a choice to use sacred discipline to rebirth herself. That sounds like a really amazing process. I think, yeah. Okay. I will definitely try that. All you got to do is make it sacred. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the husband and it's not about the child anymore. It's about you birthing yourself. You have a great amount to offer the world. You just got to choose to offer it. There will always be people there needing wisdom, needing love, needing the human touch to help them get through the harsh moments. We can affect people on the mass scale or deeply interpersonal on the touch level. Okay. You'd be surprised what a hug can do. Or just looking at someone in the eyes. What does love really mean to you? Uh, I would say just c connecting with another person. I mean, showing that you care, that you... Yeah, kind of a deeper personal connection. Okay. When did you know you were in love? Like with my husband, I would say this pretty quick. Yeah. A couple weeks in. That's what it's going to take to be in love with yourself. Oh, okay. <laughs> in your own womb, making it sacred. Process isn't hard. Women, since the dawn of time, have figured out how to do it on their own. 
how to connect the concept of their womb to their those that have, have come out of it and those that came before you. The teachings are all around us. Integrate them. Synthesize them. Create with them. And great vision will appear for you. It's just okay. a matter of choice. Just gotta do it. Yeah. That's right. You gotta do it sacred and enjoy doing it. And when it becomes a chore, ask yourself, why did I make it a chore? Mm. The process is loving myself, doing it in the state frequency of love because my goal is to put my consciousness back into the womb, my sacred place, my place of great feminine creation. How much of a ceremonial life do you really have? Um, very little, very little. What's what's really stopping it? Um, it's me. I don't make time for it. It's definitely me. Yeah. At what point in your life? At what point in your life did everything else become more important than yourself? Yeah, married and had a kid, and you know, it's like that's right. You engaged in the process of having to be an adult, having to be a mother, manifesting this density to make sure the kid didn't do anything stupid and chop off his own nose. Okay. Make sure the husband was satisfied and taken care of and loved, and he loved you back, maintained a relationship, grandmothers, grandfathers, all those other things that mothers had to do. Okay? So here you are all these years later. Now it's time for you, where you got to say to yourself every morning you get up, the time is now and the power is me. The choice is me. And this applies to everyone out there. The power is you. Choice. Just have to do it. Mm -hmm. We can see it as a great hurdle that's unaccomplishable, or we can take it in little steps and have companions along the way that help us take each short step, each short process, so the overall process doesn't beat us up before we've even begun it. I'm going I'm to give you a little curveball. Okay. How is the election affecting you? Oh, I... You go, oh. I'll be so glad when it's over. It's, you know, I feel like it's affecting everybody around me, you know, and I... Is. Oh, high anxiety and just... Yeah. I, I call it the pimple that's about to pop. Or somebody's going to put some antibiotic on there and start slapping their hand so they don't touch it anymore. <laughs> it's affecting everyone. Worldwide. Yeah. I'd like for you over the next couple days to truly see how you can clear the energy frequencies of the election from your home, from your bedroom. Okay? It's important that you try. So that you okay. can feel life again without that cloud that's been around for 18 months. Constant yeah. everything's frequency, creating distraction. Yeah. That's a really good process. <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> All that politics takes away from inner time with ourselves. 
Where I don't can... even seek it out. I, right. I ignore it for the most part. I, but I mean, it, it is in your face every time you Everywhere. step out the door or put the radio or, you know, whatever on it. Yeah. I can tell you after the election, it's going to still go and go and uh, go. That pimple's not yeah. going to pop. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until people pay attention to it, until it suddenly pops and spreads all over everyone that's watching. Ah. And then they're going to give us a sequel, and they're going to start all over. Ah. Huh? Because it's going to be four more years of nothing happening. Yeah. That's the sucky part. Yeah. Did we as individual people of this world change our electoral process so it cannot be created in this way? No. Mm -hmm. We didn't. We're still voting for the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Why cannot we have a good person in there? Right. Someone ethical and smart, intelligent, you know. Well, it's not nice about good image to the rest of what, what about well, a being of, of love? Right. Exactly. Of great greatness of heart that can truly make deep connections to world leaders. Absolutely, yep. We're choosing a political elite class that truly yep. never represent us. There are 505 members of Congress and Senate. There are yep. 380 million people. There's no way 505 represent 380 million. Even if there were 18 million or 20 million representatives, we still wouldn't have equal representation. Yep. With that knowledge is what you begin to break contracts, vows, and spiritual agreements with that system of, of political elite class being able to declare who shall lead us in hierarchical order. That's the most ancient of programming that's been around since the dawn of the human change. So are there any other questions that you want to ask? Um, I've never asked about my galactic history is there like i don't know if you have the time or do you want me to call back another day <laughs> i got i got time all okay. right so, so galactic history let me track you back here so your first immigration to earth you were ivoran which is a offshoot of, of the a larger sized human species that has wings energetic wings, not, not physical wings. Like, think of what a butterfly's wings are like, and they would be energetic representations. That's what allows you to move through, through the dimensions in space on the Ivalon home world. Um, they are innately an anti-gravitic-based species, so flight for them is simplistic. Highly telepathic species. Um, they're a telepathic scent-based species, so they can do, they can leave an entire encodement of who they are in, in a scent. And that's the way they, they communicate to other beings through, through a psychic scent. Um, they can emit a, a physical pheromone that has, you know, millions of translated words behind it to those that understand the, the, the scent gland that's creating that because they, each scent gland is like a different voice box for them. So, cool. you know, imagine having, you know, 20 voice boxes. You can harmonize and create great forms of, of, of intricate language. When I, when I, it, you made me think of something. When I was a kid, 
I used to think that I could float. Like, not, not really fly so much as just float. <laughs> that was innate in you. You could just float. That's a natural anti-gravitic species. It's built into their consciousness. Cool. Huh. Really neat. <laughs> Is that possible for humanity here? Absolutely, 100%. It just takes focus, effort, sacred discipline, and an expansion of knowingness of why you are doing it without an expectation to prove to anyone else you're doing it. Ah, okay. the skills. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> All right, darling, I'm going to let you go and move on to the next caller. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for, thank you for everything. I'm going to go back and listen to it a few times. Okay. There's some deep stuff. <laughs> thank in you so there. much. All right. Take it easy. You too. Bye. All right. I'm going to move on to the next caller now. Jean via Skype. Are you there? Yes, it's Jeannie. Hi, Jean. Where are you calling from today? Hi, Denver. Denver. So yeah. how did you find out about the show? Um... My husband found you on, we listened to a lot of YouTube videos and he, I found you and put you in my queue and I just was like, oh, it looks kind of confusing. I don't know. He found you and just was blown away. And then we've just been following you ever since. And that was in January. Okay. So what was it about the material that made you want to call in today? Uh, all of it. I don't ah. know. Everything. I, I feel so connected to you and the material I it's, I don't know. It's everything. Okay. Was there anything specific when you first started? You're like, well, th this is something I have to listen. Yes. Um, I think the galactic history, the just the big picture. Um, I've just been searching and searching for just answers to everything, or you know, trying to understand. And it was the big. You gave the finally a big picture that mm -hmm. no one else I, I hadn't heard before. Okay, so what kind of questions do you want to ask today? Um, well, I first want to tell you sorry about Natalie. I, I love to hear you guys laugh um, in yeah. some of your videos. They were, it just, there was something about you guys laughing together that was magical. Um, well, yeah, her and I talked about that many times off air because we, we, would, we would save up these little multidimensional jokes for each other. And uh, <laughs> I was very, very good at getting her to wait for her to sip her tea, and then I would use the... <laughs> dimensional joke and she'd spit it out and she'd do the same thing to me and we'd laugh for hours. hours. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I could feel there was some energy when you guys would start laughing like that. So um well my mom passed away two months ago. Since mm -hmm. we were on the topic of grief. Um I kind of have the same question as the woman before. I don't really know what what I was doing with her. Um, okay. What year was she born in her full name? Her, Sherry Lou Melberg, um, she was born 1942. And where was she born? In Oklahoma City. Okay. So, all right. Your mother, as a soul, wasn't living in one being when she was born in 1942. She was living in four beings that were originally born in the early 1900s, 1915, 1920, and they were in the war. One was in Germany, another one was in um, 
the Asian area, the Chinese area. One was on the Pacific coast as part of the Japanese fleet at Rubal. And then the other one was in Australia as part of a German, uh, a Australian fleet. Wow. He was a fighter pilot. And they all died in the war before 1945. They had all passed. And when they passed, those soul shards reintegrated into your mother. Mm-hmm. And her soul had gone through a great healing by following through to each of those war points. And the reason you were born through her womb was her resolution of karma had prevented you from being born in her womb for the last 1,700 years. You and her had been trying and trying and trying and trying to get it to line up right, but you couldn't. You had already cleared up the majority of your war frequency by 10,000 BC, and you were waiting for a number of the others to step up and open their wombs and the fathers to open their open seed so that you could come in and make great change. Wow. Okay. Now, your mother had to grow up in a world of great change that didn't respect women the way that there's a level of respect today. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that need for great change of soul, of connecting to you, was lost. Lost in the forgetting of who you were. Um, how was your mother dealing with spirit? She was really disconnected. She was more narcissistic and yeah. She had the connect she had it. She just couldn't connect to it, but it was there. Well, the thing is she did connect to it. But after a while, she couldn't tell the difference of what her narcissist ego and what the truth of her soul was. Okay? Yeah. What was self-serving versus what was serving others. It was all upside down and inside out for her. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't have the ancestral format to help teach her the powerful being that she was. But being born through her womb was the completion of the karmic contract. Everything that came out afterwards is a reflection of why it took so long of all the other things that were still needed to be resolved. And those lessons that she taught you have taught you how to be different than her yet still look at her great traits and still be able to say there was something about her that I came through that I can pass on to the future that isn't negative. Mm -hmm. That's honoring our ancestors of the past, creating the moment of instant connection with them by expressing the unity and love, by being the eternal feminine spirit of forgiveness, going into her womb, or bringing her into your womb and praying with that. Bring the great forgivingness. Ask for a visitation in true love to be shared in the womb space. Okay. Wow. You know, these are just some of the things that galactic history has to offer us. Mm-hmm. Old ways. Old ways that apply to the creative being of the now. Perfect. Thanks, sir. Perfect. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, what other kind of questions you want to ask? Um, galactic history. Uh, That is is our music break. We'll be back in just about two minutes, and we'll go on with that. Okay. Thanks. And 
Welcome back, everyone. So I've just gotten a message from Nighthawk at the station. For those people that are using mass auto redialer systems, please stop. You are crashing the station and the switchboard. Please be respectful when you're trying to call into the show. There are people that have already gotten on. When we give out the number, we give out the most method of call. If there's not an answer, please stop after a bit. We will announce. We've gone through this a number of times now. Please do not use technology that auto-dials. You crash the system. Also, the station is now at the end of the month, and it just needs $70, 70 simple dollars to get to its last, its next goal. So we ask you to stop on by that site support button and give the station a little bit of time because it really does a lot of great service for everyone. All right, so Jean, are you still there? I'm here. So what other kind of questions did you want to ask? Um, just some galactic history would be good if you have time. What year were you born? Uh, 1972. Do you know about complications at your birth? Yes. So what do you know about them? Uh, I know the umbilical cord was around my neck. That's all I know. Okay. So there was a lot more going on there. Okay. So, in, in similar to the previous caller, there were issues about your birth in the first place. And whenever there's umbilical cord around the neck, um, there are issues with the mother and father not ready to have children. And then the child at the last moment trying to um, change the spiritual contracts. And up until the last second, it takes a significant amount of love from the mother and father to make sure the umbilical cord doesn't stay uh, stay around around the neck so they can actually be, be loved enough to come through the birth canal. Mm. So that has greatly affected a big, big part of you. Mm -hmm. um, now, your mother was supposed to teach you a variety of things that were supposed to be super highly spiritual, <laughs> but she didn't. Okay? The reason you were born there was you needed to be born in this time so that the divine you could find its own way, even though it had a mother that imprinted it in its, its own negative way. That was a part of your bigger soul's purpose. And now how this relates to your galactic history is how you originally came to Earth 31 million years ago. You were a very powerful feminine spirit that, that could go from world to world to world. You didn't need to live in a single world. So you were Pleiadian, you were Arcturian, you were Voran, you were, you were the top 50. You lived everywhere. And then when Earth became... Can you repeat a, that last part, Andrew? I'm sorry, you, I couldn't... I missed you, part of it. Which you just were everywhere. said I could go... You could go everywhere. Okay. You didn't need a single world to live in to call home. You, every world you lived in was your home. Huh? Okay. And then the time of Earth came where Earth gave out a call for the most powerful feminine spirits to come to her surface and begin an incarnation process so mass amounts of birthing can be done. And you accepted this call and retracted all of your pieces and parts from all the worlds you called home and began to make the great journey here. 
when you arrived here, Earth was under heavy bombardment spiritually from thousands of masculine spirits who were trying to outbirth the feminine spirits to declare a lineage to see whose soul was going to have a bigger mark on the surface of this world this began competition okay your soul did not want to come here to compete it came here to be a part of the divinity path and you continued to do battle with the masculine and the feminine about what the divinity path meant, what it meant for birthing children, until finally the divinity path expression ended around 11 million years ago. And divinity path beings once again, once again had to divest themselves into 30, 40, 50, or 100 beings living on the world to resolve their individual karmas or dharmas created while they were on the divinity path. The world was going from 7th density to 6th density to 5th density to 4th density until finally what it is today. And you were one of those people that once again had to divest into hundreds of parts. When earth went from 5th density to 4th density, you were down to only about 5 or 6 pieces living on the world resolving your expressions. Three of them were resolving war. The other ones were trying to resolve divine feminine love to those that are in war. And then around 5,000 years ago, your soul came out of having to be many pieces, and it could be one piece. And this is where your opportunity to live with your mother began. You had lived with her in other lifetimes doing other things, but never in the state relationship that you had. You had both been enemies and friends, kings, queens, paupers, lovers, but you were never able to be born through each other's wombing process in a cyclical format. So one of your selves um, that was born in the future, which would have been in the 1930s, could possibly have been your father. What? <laughs> Can you repeat that? Okay. What do you know about your father? Um, he died in 1989. Mm -hmm. he, had, he was pretty closed off, too. Mm -hmm. So, you were your father. Okay. I mean, I can totally believe that. You were your father. And that's but what it took for you to come through your mother's womb as a single being not as many beings. Okay. Okay. And now the greater lesson of this lifetime is, now that I'm a single being born through the womb of my mother, with myself as my own father, what am I here to create with? What am I here to do? What are my spiritual gifts and talents? Who are my companions and lovers that will help me through this great journey? What do I make sacred in my life? What do I teach? What is it that you want to do this lifetime? Um, I'm trying to figure it out. I, I know I'm on a path that my gifts are opening up. Um, as far as my talents go, I'm mostly an artist. That's, you know, if I had a passion, it would be art. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to figure it out. Okay. What does your spiritual path tell you? Uh, 
I don't know yet. It's just still, it's something that there's something. It feels like something. It feels like something important, but, you know, I don't yeah. know if everyone feels that way, you know. Um, maybe healing of some kind. Mm-hmm. But you don't have passion for that, do you? No, I mean, I have passion for the information and for getting, feeling like I'm getting, trying to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not sure where, where it I'm is. I'm going to give you a little reflection that may be tough for you. Okay. Your mother has stolen your ability to create your own passions. I believe that. Okay, because of her narcissism. <laughs> and now you find yourself at the greatest challenge of all, self-inspiration. Mm -hmm. Without the mother's judgment, even though the mother's judgment is always in your sympathetic and parasympathetic because it's been metaphorically beaten into you. Mm -hmm. So you're going on 42, right? Uh, for, just turned 44. Just turned 44. Mm -hmm. What does it take for a 44-year-old woman to get a whole new layer of inspiration and creation that doesn't have anything to do with their mother? Like the other callers, putting yourself back into your womb and rebirthing yourself. Mm -hmm. What does it take for you to do it sacred? The next thing is passion. You talk about art. Is that what you're doing for a living? No, I'm an attorney. Okay. Why are you an attorney? <laughs> well, that was just part of my, you know, being led down the wrong path. My, my grandpa was an attorney. Mm -hmm. It's probably just the male domination factor. Do you like being an attorney? No. Okay. okay. Does it make all the bills, that pays all the bills you need it to pay? Yeah, right now it does. Okay. Is there a way for you to work your butt off for a little bit, four or five months, and then go on a sabbatical? Probably, yes. I, I do, the work I do now is I just review documents, so I hardly, mm -hmm. it's not real stressful. Um, my husband hasn't been working for a while, so that's the main reason I just had to work a lot. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I can take time off pretty soon, I think. It's time for you to do that. Okay. And it's time for you to plan, you know, so you can get inspired. Where do I want to go and what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Are you ready to let go of the control of the mother who's passed on so you can truly, freely be the spiritual and loving, sacred feminine that's you? Mm -hmm. Are you ready to be passionate, impassioned and emboldened with the, the spice to taste life? Are you ready to pick up the mantle of self-responsibility to heal yourself, nurture yourself, self-educate, so you can be in a self-illuminated master, not needing anyone else's hierarchical reference of what to do? Yeah, I've been pretty much asking those questions the past couple months. I mean, I know it's time. Are you ready to answer them now? I, I mean, I'm ready. I've thrown my hat in the ring. I'm, it's happening, so... Okay. So let me give you a little recipe of something you may want to include in your life. Okay. Go and take a healing class. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really study. Really study hard in it. And when you're studying, are you truly doing it for yourself or are you doing it to take to others? 
Okay. You can go and find a, you know, a one weekend class. There's a thousands of different healing classes that are. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh-huh. Okay. Just go do it. Okay. Find a group that does meditations. Find a group for you to get out and share that other side with. Make them a part of your social circle. Okay, and I should be doing it for myself, is what you're saying. Absolutely, just for you. Are you doing it for your husband? Well. So much of you is doing for everyone else, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. I've got a three and a five-year-old, so. So, and that means you have a whole lot of mommy, 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 mommy. Yeah. Okay. Mommy, where did I leave this? Where you left it the last time. Okay, over and over and over again. So, you need to pass the torch of mommy to dad for a while so mommy can have off time. He can do it. Mm. Okay, so some of the places that you want to go seek, you know, the ancient places of power. I can tell you right now, you're not going to want to take the kids because you're not going to have the experience you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take your husband with you? Those are the hardest questions to figure out before inspiration comes into you. Mm -hmm. If you can accept that he can either come with me and share in the experience or he's not going to come with me because he will, he will dampen my experience. Those are the self-empowering choices you need to begin to make. Okay, I know. Okay. Does your husband have a spiritual life? Yep, he does. He kind of woke up real quick. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, well, you were talking, I was listening to you earlier about a family with a curse, with a um, crest. He's, mm -hmm. His family has a crest, and so, I don't know, there's a battle there. There's a battle. Does he do his own self-practice? No. So then he really isn't spiritual. Uh, yeah, I guess not. I mean, he, he is at least open to the concepts and very See, interested. There, but. This, this is where you've been covering up for him. Okay? Mm -hmm. How spiritual are you compared to him? Mm, yeah. I see. Okay. This just means you've grown apart, but you haven't grown permanently apart. Your first statement is he's an awake being learned right away. Well, now it's time to ask him. He's had time off of work. What does spirit mean to you? Share a book together. One that's benign that you both haven't read and can use your connection to each other to determine, hey, can we see the same way? Maybe you see it a little differently and I see it a little differently this way. Classes to do, online meditation classes, all variety of things. This is the world of giant distraction out there. Uh -huh. The greatest couples therapy and healing is through those processes. Because when your husband gets out of his own way and allows his spirit to come through, he, you'll realize that he went through a very similar process to be with you. That his mother and father had their own issues that are unable to birth him. But finally, at the end of time, when all of we've gone through these four paradoxes and all these screwed up things have happened, they finally did enough to get the spirit they wanted to be born through their womb, and it's done. He is like you. 
It was hard work to be born that lifetime. And he has spent a lot of lifetimes to be able to live with you. And you have spent a lot of lifetimes to live with him. Now what does it take for the I am's who have been through all those traumas to get there, known and unknown, to get on the same page, to have the same signature frequency, to be their ever-evolving selves that don't grow permanently apart, but have these moments of ups and downs like breathing in lungs, where they come back to the center of love, the center of the human touch, and the creational process that they've gone through, to express love on a greater scale. Love at the heart and not just the root. Could you ever see yourself doing ayahuasca ceremony? Um, yeah, I've always wanted to. Or recently wanted to, yeah. What's held you back? Um, well, we haven't had money. We have some money now. And then I, I just haven't researched it. And I don't, you know, I just was waiting i don't know i right. do you know someone to, that you recommend everyone has to find that process on their own okay okay but don't be surprised if it actually goes on right around you when you actually open up the search process okay so you think it's obviously you think it's a good idea i think it's something you need to explore and come to that moment of choice okay <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> okay. This is what you're faced with. Choice after choice after choice after choice. Choice to self-empower, choice to self-disempower. That's the, the state of polarity the world is in right now. Mm -hmm. You're either being empowered or disempowered. There's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. How is the political environment affecting you? Um, we don't... Like, I don't watch, we don't watch TV, we don't listen to radio, we don't, we just think they're the puppets, so we don't get into it, but it's around, I mean, you do feel it. Mm -hmm. um, for a while I was worried, but just, you know, what's going to happen, but I'm just trying mm -hmm. not to think about it. So in that trying not to think about it, it's still subtly there in everyone else around you. Yeah. What is it going to take for you to clear out everyone else's energy from your frequencies? A lot, I think. <laughs> it just takes discipline. Mm -hmm. Simple discipline. You can start with an incense stick or a, stage wand, a sage wand or your own words. Contract revocations are freely available on the website. Uh -huh. It can empower the environment. Get those negative frequencies, those polarized, charged frequencies out of your life so clarity of thought can exist for you. Uh -huh. So you can take the higher density information you guys have been learning since January and apply it to yourself, how it actually affects you. Okay. How many times have you heard me talk about ceremonial teachings? Millions. <laughs> What's it going to take for you? Yeah. As a as a person, you know, with the passing uh, passing of Natalie, someone I hold in, in some of the highest regards of the ceremonial work I've done, you know, there's a a great missingness there. But in that missingness, mm -hmm. I understand that the audience also needs to step up in their ceremonial processes. 
And her passing has taught me the next great lesson of what comes for this world. Inspiration, motivation to step into the ceremonial life, to challenge the dogmas and cultures of your own family members, to do what makes you feel good and right in the moment, to be able to take the higher energies and be a part of this world as a ceremonial sacred feminine. Are you ready to claim that mantle of sacred feminine responsibility? I think I'm pretty darn close. What's it take to push you over the edge? Well, I was thinking about that the other day, and I was worried it was going to have to be more pain because I don't know what's keep I mean, start with know, holding me back. Start with love. Okay. Love yourself enough to give yourself the space and opportunity to do it. Love yourself enough to pick those contract revocations up. Love yourself enough to go and have a little outdoor fire. Love yourself to say, I am capable. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. The rest is discipline. Do you love yourself enough every day to make it a part of your, yourself? A part of your daily walk? The event I just did, Living the Mystical Life Daily, is about mm -hmm. that. Bringing in the mystical into your daily life. So the divine co-creative you can flow with inspiration, creation, and dreams at any moment in time. Not connected to hierarchical order and not in duality. Your dreams are easily available to you now. Because that is what you were meant to do this lifetime. Have access to fourth density as the great vastness of expansion of our species comes, as we let go of the old ways of deception and domination and accept a new way of dominion and unity, where communion actually means something to us. It's inspiration, darling. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. Self-inspiration, self-motivation, self-illumination to continue your spiritual locomotion through this third density world. To accept the gifts of fourth density and still manifest in third until such a time third density is no longer needed as your root expression. Where all expressions are a part of you. Mm -hmm. That's the greater journey. A journey that is a series of small steps that begin with the very first sacred step saying, this is my sacred step, not for mom, not for dad, not for husband, not for children, not for anyone else other than myself. Mm -hmm. These 10 million lifetimes that I've been through have given me this opportunity now to do something with it. And I start with loving myself enough to make it happen. How can someone live for so many lifetimes and still find maneuvering in the 3D so difficult? Because every time we're born, we forget what we did the last lifetime. And our continued lifetimes in the now about relearning our mistakes of the past or our great victories. And we don't get the big picture. That's why when I put out Galactic History... I was helping people find the big picture that allowed them to make the leap of faith into the race amnesia to know what was real, that somebody else had the same thing. To challenge our history and the dominators of this hierarchical order who say vote for me because I'm the only one that can lead you. You are not responsible enough to lead yourself. Mm -hmm. 
No, I feel it all. I mean, everything you're saying, I'm right there. Now can you emanate it? Be it. The living, breathing algorithm of self-love. Unconditional love without strings for yourself. Challenge yourself each day to cut strings off of love and see how free you really can be. Okay. Is there any other last questions you want to ask? Um, one quick one about my son, who is four and a half. He talks about the, a troll that appears in his closet and takes him to his spaceship. And I just, I just was wondering if what was happening there. All right. What's his name? Gage. And he was born in 2012? Why did you choose the name Gage? Um, well, <laughs> that movie Pet Cemetery. I know it's not more of an evil movie, but um, I just liked the name. I always loved that name, and I kind of debated just because it was, you know, kind of from a horror movie. But then my husband randomly said he loved the name, and then it was just like that was it. That was just his name. Okay. Well, there's some, like, I, like you said, some negative connotations behind there, and I think that he's picking up on it oh. in some way. But there is a manifestation of energy that is there that represents as the divine feminine that you need to clear out. Okay. You need to go into that room. You need to clear the energies, pull all the stuff out of the closet, okay? change the energies around there so whatever is using a portal to create fear in them can no longer do it. Okay. It is your mother's duty and responsibility to keep the energy environment clear for him so he has a great chance of growing, growing as a powerful being, mm -hmm. not imprinted with the negativities. Mm -mm. Okay. I did do the four corners with, I, I put crystals in the four corners, but. Oh, well, you're going to do that every week or every month for a little while okay. so your energies can come in. All right, everyone, that's the end of the show. It will be a little bit of time before I'm back on the air as I, I go through my extended morning process having uh, lost Natalie. Um, we're going to honor her in our spirit way. And uh, stay